are now listening to Random Ramblings. to go when you is word so let me spit my long convoluted intro what up everybody this your boy b rob and i'm back with another edition of the random rambles with rob podcast first and foremost i'd like to thank you the listener for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts if you're first time listening i'd like to thank you oh so much for giving my show a try and if anybody recommended you to me i'd like for you to reach over and give that person a crisp high five can we do that right now we just you on the other side. There you go. Ah, there it is. <laughs> it's, it's good when you have visual representation. We can do these things or whatever. But if you're still cautious about what's going on in the world today, you're still masking up, putting gloves on, sanitizing very thoroughly, which you should have been doing anyway. Um, pick up your social media app of choice and send that person a well-crafted DM instead telling them thank you for recommending you to me. Speaking of social media, you can find the Random Rambles with Rob on various social media platforms to include Twitter at 3RShow, Instagram at The3RShow. Hopefully soon, since I officially, as of a day ago, I got my trademark, I mean, yeah, trademark in for 3RShow. So hopefully on Instagram, it'll be at 3RShow because I'm taking that bullshit back. Motherfucker ain't posted since 2017, goddammit. It's my shit. I want it. And um, if you're looking at us visually, you might be stumbled upon the YouTube. So you can just look for that on at 3R Show. I don't know if at works on there, but look up 3R Show. You find us on YouTube. And for anything that I may have forgotten to mention, you can find it all on randomrob.com. Randomrob.com. Also, you can find merch and all that other cool shit there, but you will also find the sponsor. I must trade my hat real quick. God damn! I gotta take my headphones off. I wasn't ready for this. There we go. Sponsor hat. Hooks rubs and spices. Go to hooksrub.com and you can get fifteen percent off your order if you use promo code random. And I'm fucking up my Lasombra mask right now. Gotta put that back. Hooks rubs and spices. Put it all over your meats, vegetables, whatever you. They're making drinks with this shit. I mean, they salting the rims with the um, with the different stuff and everything so you can get all into that stuff just get that 15 percent off your order if you use promo code random now i gotta put my hat back on fix my stuff now that's most for, mostly for the visual audience or whatever if it was just straight audio or whatnot i wouldn't have been doing all these shenanigans but joining me special treat for myself because undoubtedly so without this man sitting here to my virtual left real life right i i would guess there will be no random rounds with rob b rob will still be here because i got that during my military days but there would be no random rounds with rob there would be no inspiration there would be no inclination of even doing a podcast if it wasn't for my guest today this man has a long lineage in the broadcasting world starting way back over 17 years ago might be a little bit longer, might be a little bit less, but we're just generalizing right now. It's been a long fucking time is what I'm saying. And um, admittedly so, this has been a bucket list thing for me for my podcast. So I'm glad to have it today. Joining me is one William 
R. Washington, senior, representing Fightful and Grapsity fame, also former host of RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, which I have represented enough. I didn't kiss this man's ass for a couple seconds. Now I got to take this off. It's a fancy new logo. And we are here in full effect. Sir, how are you? How are you? I'm glad to have I, you here. I appreciate you. I am great, man. But thank you for the kind words. Uh, that's that's a lot of responsibility to put on me, having uh, been responsible for putting, or I guess helping get the random, random ramblings with Rob. In effect, I'm glad to finally be here. Uh, and you gave out the full Govy, by the way, on... Uh, I suppose not full because uh, you're missing. Yeah. Uh, uh, you still I, I won't reveal what the R is. Yeah, but know. my my full gubby. But uh, I, I am I am Will Washington, and yes, uh, I, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, man, usually I would uh, start off with you know this, that, and the third, but I'm not. Um, I would just like to jump straight into your photographic memory because this has been something. That has daggone been um, amazing me for many a years, especially when it pertains to the RBR weekly wrestling talk and whatnot, to where you have total recall of your brain faculties and everything. And I can hardly remember what I did five minutes before we walked into this interview and shit. So this is like, what do you attribute that to? Has it been something that's always been, you know, with you or is it something that you worked up to? I mean, how does this fucking work? <laughs> uh, yeah, so. And of course, what you're referring to is the fact that, yeah, I, I'm really good about remembering stuff and particularly good with remembering the history of pro wrestling. And so uh, having hosted a pro wrestling show uh, for 17 years, uh, various pro wrestling shows. Um, yeah, I, I I do tend to recall things easily. It, it, a lot of it is association. Um, and that uh, I learned recently is a, is a good trick for memory. Um, because it's not just pro wrestling. I remember a lot of things in my life. I remember, uh, significant events. Uh, I can remember, um, numbers, stats. I got most of my close people's phone numbers memorized, which like, it, it isn't like terribly an impressive thing to like mm -hmm. older people, but like younger people are like, how do you remember any phone numbers? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cause they're like, you can just store it in your phone. Um, but a lot of it is association. So like one of the things I, I like to do is, um, you know, I, I have a, a extensive memory of pro wrestling. Right. Uh, but typically watching wrestling is not the only thing I was doing in my life. And so I, if I can remember an event in pro wrestling, I can typically remember exactly what was going on in my life at that point in my life and time. Um, and so when like my mom will ask, uh, you know, when did we move from our house over on Wyoming place? And I'll immediately go, oh, yeah, April of 2007. And I remember that because uh, <laughs> because John Cena was feuding with Shawn Michaels and going into the fatal four way at Backlash. And also Bobby Lashley was the ECW champion. And like there's a little shit like that. And I remember those things. And so I'm like, okay, I can remember the exact date that we moved out of that house. But then it's not just that because like, I'm also uh, for those who can see me, I'm also a big basketball fan. I'm in my nuggets mm -hmm. gear right now. And I've got uh, pretty much every game uh, from my, my nuggets fandom memorized. And it's little things like that, that I can use to associate, and 
uh, if I can associate all of those things together, it helps keep my memory functioning and running. If I lose a point of association, then I lose everything, right? So <laughs> if I don't have anything to associate the rest of my memories with. So that's that's how it goes for me. And it helps. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know my best friend has a terrible memory. And sometimes our entire basis of friendship and conversation centers around us just talking and reminiscing because she'll rely on me for she'll call me up and be like hey remember that time, remember that that blah, 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 blah. time. yeah and she's like what was happening there and i'll be like oh yeah no problem let me tell you and then we'll go over it and it's it's fun it's it's a good thing to have um it always actually surprises me when other people can't remember things because it feels fairly normal to me that i can and so when people are like why the hell do you remember that and i'm like why don't you uh, but that's just me. Word. So uh, for what I can remember of over the, my lifetime of listening to you talk to me via speakers and earphones and earbuds <laughs> and all kinds of other crazy things and whatnot, you moved around a lot, but uh, I think you were born in California. That's right. I was born in Los Angeles, uh, which is funny because I just got back from a LA vacation and we went by my childhood house and went by my uh my elementary school and all of that so did you remember how to get to these places without maps (laughs) yes uh absolutely (laughs) Uh, yeah i I, we went by my old house um i mean so i had to get to the neighborhood via map but then once i was Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood i could navigate around i remembered whose house was whose and like what kids i used to play with from each house uh but yeah i was born in los angeles and then uh in 94 uh when the northbridge earthquake happened um, which made national headlines everywhere. Uh, that was, I remember that vividly. Um, I remember so waking up out of- So that's your point of association? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, because like that was, uh, it was in January of 94 and my, my I, I, I wasn't conscious for when it happened. I was asleep and then my, I remember my dad rushing in my room and grabbing me and all of a sudden I remember stuff falling off the walls and we go and get in our car and just chill in the car uh, because you're not supposed to drive in an earthquake. Um, but we go chill in our car and I remember watching the chimney on our house cave in and all of that. And, uh, yeah, that was it for us in California. It was like, cause apparently my dad's job had basically like split in two and, uh, because of the earthquake. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so they had offered us the opportunity to, uh, for him to transfer because he worked for the federal government, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically he worked for the VA. Um, and so the VA hospital building, which I actually just drove by as well in LA, um, but the VA hospital building, they offered employees at the time who were in specific departments, a chance to transfer to another VA. And so my dad had the opportunity to transfer from either, uh, to either Tucson, Arizona or Denver, Colorado. And I remember for the longest time, it was Tucson, Arizona. That was all we talked about was, all right, we're moving to Tucson. And I remember telling all the kids at school, yeah, I'm moving to Tucson, Arizona, whatever. (laughs) And then, uh, and then that summer we packed up like they let me finish school that year. And then uh, my brother and I finished school. And then uh, they all of a sudden, my parents were like, now nah, we're moving to Denver. And we packed up and drove to Denver. And as you can see in the gear I'm in, uh, I've been roughly in Denver ever since I moved to Michigan for a little bit. But yeah. uh, I've mostly been in Denver uh, the majority of my life. This is this is what I call home, even though L.A. is, you know, my my brother was 24 when we moved. So it was like he didn't go with us because it didn't make any sense for him. He was already, you know, he had been in established. Yeah. Well, he, he had just gotten out of the military too. So it was like, uh, 
Uh, he didn't want to, he barely even wanted to move back in with his parents. He had been home for like four months when that happened. And so uh, he got home and then all of a sudden we sprung on him. Hey, we're actually moving to Denver. And he's like, ah, he's like, I'm not. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here in LA and, and pursue my acting career. But uh, y'all have fun with all that. And he's been there ever since he has not uh, departed. So uh, every time I go back to L.A., it's really about visiting him. Okay, word. (laughs) And that's weird because, like, that was something that I never knew. And that was something that probably would never come up on the podcast as well. It's just like that your brother was in the military. (laughs) Yeah, um, he was in the Marines uh, and he was the. uh, Hold on, me. Need to you need to slide that information over to me. Me, me and your brother need to have a talk then. The old yeah. Devil dog there. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, he. Uh, I, I forget what year specifically he went in because I was born the year he graduated high school, and I'm pretty sure he's 17 years older than me. I'm pretty sure he went in like straight after high school, and yeah, so yeah. I barely even knew him until I was like four years old, and then he, I started to see him more. Uh, he always had this forbidden room in our house that I wasn't allowed to touch because it was like, uh, you know, he was, he was 17, 18, you know, he had already established his room in the house and all that. I was a baby. And like, I remember specifically being told all the time, whatever you do, stay out of David's room. Uh, and David's room was like this forbidden palace to me because he had, (laughs) he had all the cool stuff. And I just wanted to go in his room and like touch all his things, right? Touch because everything. He, touch every. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I eventually figured out how to steal stuff from his room because he had. Oh no. All, he had all the good movies, right? Like um, all the movies I saw that I became a fan of as a kid were movies I stole from his room. So uh, I remember the first time I saw Batman 1989. That movie uh, was a VHS I took from his room. Uh, same with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, Shit. Yeah, he had the Terminator. He had just all these cool movies that he kept locked away in his room. Uh, and music CDs, too. Uh, he had, like, that was how I discovered hip-hop music was stealing his CDs and going and listening to them and uh, and then putting them back and making sure that nobody knew that I touched David's stuff. Uh, and I let, I literally just admitted this to him finally after, like, 30 years. Literally, I was, that was like, going to be my follow-up. Like a, like a week ago, I, I finally, like, told him all this. I was like, you know, when I was a kid, I used to just, like, while you were in the military, I used to take all your stuff and uh, play with it. Like, it, it was cool to me. Uh, it was way cooler than the toys I had. He had cool adult stuff. And I wanted it. And uh, like I said, that's how like, I have line for line, scene for scene, the movie Batman memorized. And it's funny that it's all because of taking stuff from him. But yeah, have he was in the military. Yeah, I did see the Batman. Um, oh. I It was it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was uh, Robert Pattinson, I think, is a really good Batman. Lousy mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne, but I think that mm-hmm. was the point. Uh, yeah, and like he didn't really play Bruce Wayne in that mm-hmm. movie at all. In the same way that, like, I guess, kind of, you know, how people used to say like George Clooney never really played Batman. He was just like George Clooney in a mask. I feel like <laughs> in a reverse of that, Robert Pattinson never played Bruce Wayne. He just played mm-hmm. Batman without a mask. And uh, so that's like one of the things I'll knock in the movie. Also, pretty sure. Uh, and I, I, I'm stealing this point from Flash Garments because he was just going off about this. Uh, but two bombs went off in that movie relatively close to people's faces. And like neither of them have any 
goddamn damage. You know, um, Batman has a bomb go off literally in his face, and he's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Like that mask only covers half your face. What? Yeah, and all this would have been <laughs> jacked up. <laughs> yeah, and also another character without spoiling also has a bomb go off. And granted, he was throwing the bomb when it happened, so he doesn't like. I wouldn't have expected yeah, him to get away from him. But I would have expected him to take way more damage than he took. And then also, when that person wakes up, why did he just confront him like that badly? Like, why did you lie to me? And it's like, nigga, <laughs> well, I just got out of a coma. Like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> I just awakened. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even know why I'm here. But, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Otherwise, it was a good movie. It's it's mm-hmm. It was long. And uh, I, I will say it. that the point where I thought it was over, like it wasn't even yeah. close. Um, also, somebody important in that movie gets shot and is pretty okay, like not that long after. And I'm like, look, you got like hit by a, a, a sniper. Like you should be at least incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Um, Getting carried uh, off, not leaving on your own wheels. And shit, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Uh, those are my only gripes with the movie. Otherwise, I think it's a really good Batman adventure that is very different from every other Batman movie mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And I'm a big Batman fan. Um, it is crazy to think that when Batman 89 came out, the talk around it was, uh, oh, this movie's very dark. And then when uh, The Dark Knight came says, out. says, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. When The Dark Knight came out, it was like, oh, wow, this movie makes those other ones look like kids movies. And now this is like, oh, this makes the Dark Knight look like a kid's movie. Like, all of a sudden, it's just so dark. There's so much despair. Like, that is an irredeemable Gotham City. Uh, it is really, really dark. But I loved it. I, I have fun with it. Uh, did you see the new release footage of the deleted Joker scene? I watched half of it. I didn't get to finish the whole thing. Uh, I was having a hard time hearing it. So I'm like, oh, I'll watch yeah, it same. later. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah i thought I'll, I'll watch this with some headphones on but i wasn't in a position to have any uh so no i haven't seen it in full yet yeah uh, from what i've seen of it i think it was a good decision to cut it from the movie and whatnot because i mean it was almost it it reminded me of the interrogation scene in the dark night right somewhat but um it just didn't fit for what I saw in that three hour epic, um, <laughs> which I seen twice back to you back. You saw tw- you spent six hours on that movie. Now, yes. granted, I saw The Dark Knight, and that movie's two and a half hours. I'm pretty sure I saw that in theaters four times. And so, uh, you know, I spent obviously 10 hours watching that movie. <laughs> so I get it when it comes to Batman movies. So you are talking to the guy that did a justice league sandwich i watched uh zach snyder's justice league the whole fucking four hours turn around watch the original cut and then turn around and watch the four hour epic again what'd you do that for because i can (laughs) (laughs) obviously well um we were gonna talk about the justice league Mm-hmm. And anytime that I go into a, a film review or like or just a chat about a movie, I thoroughly watch that shit. I love yeah, I doing know. that shit. I love it. So I watched it, you know, just with my brain off. Then I watched the um, the original for, you know, reference, you know, because I've seen it before, the original one. And mm-hmm. then I watched it again to take notes. So nah, that like, makes okay. sense. Like as long as I you were doing it for like a podcast or something. But like just to be like, you know what? I want to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. And then for whatever reason, I want to watch the original cut 
And then I'm going to go back and watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, you know, it's funny, too, is I've only seen Zack Snyder's Justice League one time. And I only saw the original Justice League. The weird thing is, I've seen original Justice League in full once. But I've maybe seen the first five minutes of it like 100 times because they always play it on TNT. And yeah. so uh, <laughs> usually, like, right after AEW Rampage, uh, it'll kick into that scene of uh, Superman with a CG upper lip. And I, I've seen that scene so many times I could probably <laughs> recite it. And it's so bad. And it's just a reminder of how much that movie stanks. But mm-hmm. I enjoyed it for what it was because, like, me, I feel like my viewing uh, freaking uh, perception is different from a lot of people because I don't read any of the comics. So I okay. have no attachment to the lore or anything like that. So when I watch these films, I was like, oh, it's a movie. And then. I'm a visual effects guy, so it can be a shitty ass movie, but you got some special effects in there. I'm like, all right, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not like I think honestly, because I'm a big Marvel fan as well, and I love mm-hmm. the MCU. I think yeah. the big problem with Justice League to me is that it wanted so badly to be an MCU movie without doing the work the MCU had done, where mm-hmm. like the MCU did such a great job of individually introducing every single character before we jumped into an Avengers movie. It's like we walked into an Avengers movie, having had a connection with Iron Man, having had a connection with uh, Captain America, having had a connection with um, Thor and having at least a little connection to Hulk, even though he was, he was recast. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. we had been connected with uh, black widow and, uh, and we had already gotten to know Clint. And so it was like, okay, now we're seeing a movie of all these things we already knew we already established. Yeah. Whereas justice league was like, okay, we're going to try and do all of that in one movie. We're going to try and introduce you to everything, but Batman who you already at Batman's the only character you already knew. And you only knew him from the previous movie. Um, Superman's even barely in this. Um, and Wonder Woman, you know, but also that movie only came out like a month prior. So, and then it's like, you already know Wonder Woman kind of, but then like, you don't know this Flash at all. You don't know this Aquaman at all. Uh, you don't know this Cyborg at all. And we're going to try and throw all of this in one movie mm-hmm. and just try and like throw it at you. And I felt like, nah, mm-hmm. you. And I was like, this movie wasn't earned. You didn't earn any of this. <laughs> and so uh but, but that, at the same time project. yeah but at the same time i know uh you know with the exception of cyborg aquaman and you know to the extent woman when like woman blah, i can't even talk <laughs> wonder woman like you were saying uh, it was like bitches you know what it is you you know, know. the stories <laughs> you don't want to see the pearls fall down again we come on just put these bitches in the movie and let's get it started but <laughs> also um my whole thing about it, I probably have some of the same thoughts that you have. It's just like, yeah, it was rushed. Yeah, it was this. And um, Ben Affleck is Batman. I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I'm glad that he was there and he was gone in the way that he was because it paved the way for Robert Patterson to be in this The Batman movie. Because mm-hmm. we know how it was supposed to go before. It was supposed to be Ben Affleck in The Batman as Batman and directing. Then he yes. bowed out from the leading role to yeah. just direct. And then he just left completely. So I'll just like, what the fuck? Then we got Sparkly Twilight Man here, which I can't talk too much about because I like the Twilight movies. And, <laughs> and I was just There's like, news. so this is going to be different. Hey, yeah, no shit. I do like the Twilight movies. I got them all on Blu-ray in my collection. 
and I got all the books, which I have never read. I only bought them for my wife. But yeah, I like vampire sparkly shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. But yeah, it was it just that whole thing paved the way for Robert Patterson to give me this awesome Batman. And then to go back to some of your points or whatever. I know I already did a podcast on the Patreon about the Batman movie, but hey, I love this goddamn movie. I love talking about movies, period. But um, he was just year two into being Batman. Yeah. And he was just burning the candle at both ends, just going into a night and day, just being him. Oh, yeah. This story would not have worked with um, Mm -hmm. with Ben Affleck at all. Yeah, exactly. And then like um, the thing about his uh, shitty portrayal of being himself, Bruce Wayne and everything is just more like. I believe he's going to grow into that later. Cause it's gonna co- he's gonna come to the realization he's like, hey, I can get more shit done in the daytime, you know, through political means, through my philanthropy and all this other stuff. Yeah, you know, then I could just go in and punch a motherfucker in the face. <laughs> that, yeah, that's why that's why I don't really fault him for not having played much of a Bruce Wayne. Because I'm like, okay, that's obviously a persona that, like, I think we're establishing that Batman is his true is persona. Him. It's him. <laughs> yeah, and Bruce Wayne is a character he has to play for the public, and he hasn't established that yet, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, I'm hoping we get there and I'm ready for it. Yeah, pretty pleased. And to go back a little more, you said your father worked for the VA. Does he still do that or he's retired now? He's retired now. He was also in the military. My dad served in the Navy. He was in the Navy eight years, eight months, 12 days. Uh, Yeah, the the Marine Corps Uber. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, and it's so funny too because I will say military guys crack me up because – the way y'all can see each other and just oh, immediately shit. have conversation. Like, you know, I was with my dad. We were just getting food uh, maybe like a week ago. And uh, he sees a guy in a Navy hat. And the guy sees my dad's Navy hat. And these two men have never seen each other in their lives, but immediately jump into stories. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> they're like, my dad's like, uh, he says, what year? And then the guy goes, I was in from 63 till... 74 how about you my dad goes 1960 to 68 and they're like oh so you were in here here and my dad's like yeah and you were there and then they're, they're just all going back and forth and I, I love hearing that because uh it, it it truly is like a brotherhood and as somebody who didn't serve but was has grown up around people who did um it's fascinating to watch uh how you guys have that brotherhood without knowing each other and gravitate to each other and it's always fun and the fact that you like i said i mentioned my brother served in the marines and you're immediately like oh i gotta get in contact with him you know (laughs) it's it's that quick right uh and i I love watching that it's always Mm -hmm. fascinating to me yeah that's kind of like how danny limelight here i got his uh autograph up here on my wall that's kind of how we got in contact or whatever i found out he was a marine i was like got in his dm i was like devil dog what's up (laughs) <laughs> what's happening <laughs> and then i that's got so him on great. the show <laughs> yep hey that rules that's so good yeah but I, I was hoping that he was still working for the va because i'm doing a claim right now i'm trying to get 10 more percent so i can be good in uh, my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, my my dad he retired from the va but he worked there a really really long time va was actually my first job as well uh my dad got me in so i was around uh, that, I, like I said, it, it's weird, and I guess this is a story that people don't really know about me. I I have been around military people pretty much forever because uh, uh, one of the first jobs I took um, right out of high school was working at the VA with my dad, uh, and so 
yeah and, and just like i said being around my brother and all of that and uh swerve was also in the military and it's just like uh I've i knew that him. but i forgot yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah what, he, what branch you was in um he was a marine as well i believe fuck so yeah can that's... i get your brother and swerve on the same show because <laughs> that's all i want to talk about yeah <laughs> Hey, it would be a very, very different type of interview. Yeah, so like so, I know you're younger. Wait, no, so hey, no, Swerve is army. Swerve is army. Oh, okay. Um, right. Still, my wife was in the army, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but so like you being the younger out of in your family or whatever, and your dad and your brother and them being that much older than you and whatnot, like did your brother and Swerve kind of have like a relationship? Not really. Or? They they're actually just now. Uh, well, because Swerve's younger than me. That's the other oh, thing okay. too. Is oh shit! Is, okay. Yeah, he was born eighty nine. Uh, but no, nah, they're actually like just now starting to have a relationship. So, um, Word. that that's all of that. Uh, and really, it's uh, all really based on uh, the stuff he's trying to do now with uh, music and acting. And mm-hmm. uh, and my brother haven't been in acting as long as he's been. Okay. So it, does your brother have a musical background as well? Because I know you dabble in the keys and doing all so kinds of crazy So actually, because, uh, you know, David is my oldest brother. And then uh, below him, there's Curtis. Uh, Curtis is my closest brother. He and I are four years apart. Um, mm-hmm. So we have practically been almost inseparable until he moved to Florida on me. Um, <laughs> so he, he lives in uh, near Fort Lauderdale now. But it gives me some place to go if people ever wonder, because everybody's always like, man, you're always traveling to Florida. Like, yeah, I got family in Florida now and mm-hmm. I got family in California. I got to see my family. And they got two super young kids. Uh, Curtis has a, a kid who's um, a year and some change. Uh, his son, Kennedy. That's right. He has a son named Kennedy Washington. Uh, <laughs> and, Kennedy. And yeah, that was the the first thing that he did the moment he was born. Um so yeah, Kennedy Washington, and then uh, which is just such a presidential sounding name, and mm-hmm. then uh, David's got a, a uh, his kid is less than three, um, and uh, her name's London, and so I've got like two babies that I got to visit on two sides of the country. So if you ever wonder why I'm California and Florida back and forth, that's that's typically why. But yeah, no, Curtis. The reason I brought up Curtis is because he was. Uh, he really has the musical background. He was okay. um, he was pretty much into making music from the time he was 14. Uh, my parents bought him pretty much a studio. Uh, in, in, we had a, a studio set up in the basement when we were teenagers, but he it was mostly his. I learned following up behind him how to make music. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I made the Powerhouse Hobbs song, I actually sent it to my brother as just kind of show up, like, yeah <laughs> uh, but not just that it was just like uh the style of music that like the type of beats i'm mostly good at are more so mm-hmm. east coast style beats um like for those of you who listen to um the the other show rob posts the rbr um i made the beat of the theme song of that like that's the type of music i'm more into making but when um uh hobbs had kind of wanted something that was a little more um bay area and but kind of has a little bit of a down south feel that's the stuff my brother was great at and so i was mostly like relying on what i remember he was good at and then Mm kind of like playing that up and i sent it to him and i was like this is and he looked at it like 
man, this is the type of music I used to make. And I was like, I know uh, this is <laughs> this was what you were good at. I, uh, you know, I, I, I am a good mimicker. So that's how I got good at it. But like that was what he mastered. And uh, so there, there's a little bit of, I guess, insight there. So he gave you a look, he gave you the approval and you was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, he did. <laughs> word, word. So the um, album, the AEW album that just came out, which I have a copy of floating around here somewhere. Ah. Um, it's going to be released on digital here in April, right? April 1st. Yes. April 1st. Is it really going to be released on April 1st? Because they're going to be like, April Fool, nah, we're just playing it on the 2nd. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess... There's some things relating to that I can't talk about, but Very well. uh, yeah, but there's, but uh, April 1st is the date that AEW just announced. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that album is, is, is rare. And uh, I would hang on to your copies if you have it. Um, so, but otherwise, yeah, that is, it, that is when it comes out. And yes, I have two tracks on it. Uh, mm-hmm. I have the song in the mix by, uh, I guess I'm the first artist listed on it. It's by me, um, uh, Wrestling Flow, Equipped, and Cut Right. And then uh, I also have a song called Powerhouse, which is the Hobbs song that I did with Righteous Reg and Graham of Public Enemies. Word. Um, I know you talked about it a little bit before, but if you could, for the audience's sake, uh, tell us a little bit how that came about. Yeah, so... Um, Back uh, last November, uh, I was messaged by uh, Mikey Ruckus. Now, previously, I had done um, some musical stuff with pro wrestling. I had uh, helped uh, produce the Sammy Guevara theme song Mm -hmm. and also Big Swole's song. And so uh, I, like I said, I had a little bit of background, but basically Mikey Ruckus hit me up and he said, this is what, uh, I, I have this interest in doing right now. I really want to showcase black artists and black talent in AEW. And uh, I, if you're interested, I would like to see you on this album. And I said, done, done deal. There's no hesitation <laughs> there. I didn't even uh, give it a second thought. And so we put that together and uh, he gave, he, basically said these are all the wrestlers who will be involved uh pick the top wrestlers you would like to to see uh have your musical touch on and so i listed my top five black wrestlers in AEW. everybody kind of listed theirs and then they uh we all got assigned a different wrestler and we all got to kind of work directly with them i worked Mm -hmm. directly with uh red velvet i spoke with her um and kind of got her taste in music she's really into doja cat and really into a lot of uh reggaeton i'm into doja Uh, cat too boy. (laughs) (laughs) which i have a cowboy hat yes (laughs) uh yeah so she had kind of given me some of her musical taste and so i kind of produced around that and the same Mm -hmm. deal with uh with powerhouse hobbs um there were a couple of songs i was really channeling with powerhouse hobbs and i guess uh this is the first time i'll have said this and somebody can kind of look into the the powerhouse song and then the two songs i reference and they'll be like okay i hear what you were doing here um but it was um get stupid go dumb by yuck mouth and mac dre mm-hmm. and uh big steppin and so those two songs when 
you listen to those and then listen to the powerhouse hop song you go okay i see what your inspiration was mm-hmm. um and then with red velvet it was kind of the same deal it was we were kind of i was listening to the song boasty by wiley and then i was also listening to uh woman um which is doja cat's big hit right now and i was listening to both those two songs and i'm like okay i think i can kind of channel some of that into this and i was able to make it happen but i put some of my own flavor on both uh, like they started in those directions and then basically I just started going off in my own direction, but you can see where I was starting and uh, yeah, that was how that all came together. And I got the songs done. You were with me when I got yeah. the finished version of the red velvet song. And uh, I've heard yeah. it like 30 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we heard it in the car. Cause like, I never heard this in the car, play it in the car real quick. So yeah. I, I, <laughs> I wanted to hear it in the car. Cause I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard it really at all because yeah. you know, when you're producing music and working with people across the country, there's a whole lot of, okay, I did this part now. Uh, it's almost like, like friendship off, bread, yeah. right? Where, yeah, you got to shoot it off to somebody who sends it to somebody else, sends it to somebody else. And everybody's putting their pieces on it and then you get the finished version and so mm-hmm. i hadn't heard the finished version of it until we were in atlanta and that yeah. was the the weekend that it was sent to me and i heard it and i was like this is amazing and it's the first song on the album uh so it really sets the tone for the album and what people are going to hear i love it yeah but yeah so you, you sprinkle a little bit of flavor on there and whatnot for you and um so my question about the whole thing, I mean, is out there as a finished product, uh, is physical and is going to be digital here on April 1st. Is there any inclination that was given to you about there maybe being a part two? Oh, or... yeah, absolutely. Word. So it might be a continuous se- a series. Yes, that's what I've Word. been told anyway, that uh, this there's a reason this was labeled volume one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, we're going to continue to showcase black talent. Uh there's been new black talent signed and mm. some of them are musical artists in themselves. And so, uh, yeah, there's going to be more. As a matter of fact, I had finished the third track uh, because I thought I was doing a third. I thought I was doing three and I had finished the third and, uh, but it ended up not getting used. Mm. And what I was told about that was, don't worry, there's time. So <laughs> I've almost, uh, I can almost say I already have another song done and uh so just headed the curve yeah just uh, a little bit ahead and when we hear that one uh because there's a couple of songs um you know i know rich lada has told the story of how uh he basically did two red velvet or not red velvet uh jade cargill songs that Mm -hmm. they did the first one and she basically said i like it but i want a different direction she was very hands-on with what she wanted and mm-hmm. she was like, but I kind of want to go in a different direction. I'm told I'm to blame for that uh, because uh, that the she heard the Red Velvet song and decided that she wanted something different than what she mm-hmm. got. Like the first song she got was like just straight hip hop. Uh, but the song that's on the album is very reggaeton as well. And it was it was a very dance hall song. And I'm told it was because she heard the Red Velvet song and decided I actually want something more like that. And so the first song got scrapped, but now there's a song that was made that could get used at some point. And mm-hmm. I know that they want to use it for something else. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So, I mean, having a physical copy of this, uh, this, this CD, this, this 
thing that you created or whatnot what was that like for you um pretty surreal you, yeah uh because the you know my my brother and i when uh when he was making music and i used to help him uh we would press our own cds and then stand on the corner and sell them like drugs um and yes. we, like we were those guys right we were the guys pushing our cds on people um except we were doing i can't believe people still do that by the way i'll be walking around la and people will stop me and go hey got my cd and i'm like man don't you got a soundcloud just give me a card with a qr code like what is the cd you know, I got, I, I got- i'm glad you brought that up because when i went to vegas um for SummerSlam, i was walk we was walking down the strip or whatever and dude ran up on me with his business card i had the qr code he's like this is my soundcloud this is my other stuff or whatever i was like huh. yeah no that's how you get it done you know people still stopping me with cds i'm like man i don't even got a place to listen to this what are you doing exactly um, I don't I'm think not gonna it, lie. I bought a CD player when I got this. <laughs> right, you know, I like the last CD I got um, that I went to listen to. I, I put it in my Xbox because I was like, okay, I don't know where else to listen to this, so I mm-hmm. guess well, let's put it in the Xbox. Did you know you have to download an app for that? There's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I put it in. I thought I was just gonna play, it, and it's like okay, downloading Groove Music, and I'm like okay there's a process to this it's, <laughs> it's really not that simple to just like listen to music anymore well, shit, uh, i'll just throw it in my og xbox down here and just burn it to the xbox <laughs> you can do that now too yeah that's uh that's funny i got my og xbox is right over here like right off camera i have my uh so i have every xbox ever made um i've mm-hmm. got the 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 360s over here my original my xbox one x and then i have the series x hooked up uh on my tv upstairs and then also, here's a rare treat, because I am a really big Xbox guy. Uh, I also have uh, the 20th the anniversary Duke. edition of the Duke, um, which specifically, one of those. specifically has the, the screen. Oh, the button work. Yeah. Oh, it got a screen. Uh, okay. It's got a screen, though. Um, it should, anyway. Let me see. All right. I may have to plug it back in. Okay, oh, so is so it wireless? It's not wireless. So oh, okay. uh, notice it plays like a little Halo clip here uh, with Cortana, oh, and then it goes... Ready, ready, ready. Uh, it's it's an actual screen, and then it says "Happy Twenty Years that. Xbox." Yeah, yeah, I need so, that. So <laughs> this this was a great little collector's thing. Uh, I bought it, and notice it's all styled like a panchi. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a really big Halo guy. There's th- things to know about me, by the way. Uh, and this is for people watching visually. Uh, if you're listening audio wise, I will narrate what I'm pointing out in this. Of course, he will. <laughs> so I'm in. I'm in the. Um, the basement of my house. My wife has basically designated the basement to be mine. It is a finished basement. And in this basement is all the things that define me as a geek. Uh, I have a Mortal Kombat arcade behind me. I am obsessed with Mortal Kombat. Uh, And then I have, and specifically I had to have this arcade custom made because there's art of uh, Johnny Cage on the side, which is the original Mortal Kombat art. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, Johnny Cage was played by a, an actor named Daniel Pessina in mm-hmm. the 90s. Daniel Pessina had a fallout with Midway, and every release after 1995 of Mortal Kombat, the original, did not have this artwork of Daniel Pessina on the side. Um, and so it's when I was getting my Mortal Kombat arcade, uh, all of the ones that they sell do not have the Daniel Pessina stuff. And I'm like, nope, my childhood memories will be uh, distorted if I don't have it in full. And so I had this arcade cabinet custom made to have the original Mortal Kombat 1 art on the side that has Daniel Pesna doing the the jump kick. 
Um, now, the funny thing is, Carlos Pesina has like always remained cool with that's his brother who also played Raiden. Um, he's always been cool with uh, with Midway. Oh, Midway's not even in business anymore, but um, yeah. now NetherRealm um, and and Warner. And so the Mortal Kombat 2 artwork, which is on the other side of that, uh, does still have Raiden, but you can get that like literally anywhere. But anyway, I mentioned I also have Halo collectibles. I also collect um, there's Power Ranger stuff behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, those are all wrestling figures. I've got a Macho Man Randy Savage right there. I've got wrestling belts behind me. Um, these posters are all from events I've been to, the Royal Rumble. There's WrestleMania 32. There's AEW All Out. Um and the chairs from events I've been to. I love to collect. Uh, mm-hmm. I am just a, a geek like that. And so this little controller here, the Duke, which some think is like the worst controller ever made. I, I don't love give that a shit. One. I love it. Uh, and so when I saw they were making a, a collector's anniversary edition, it is not wireless. Um, yeah, that was the but, only thing that kind of put me off from not getting it. But now seeing you displaying it and holding it, all the shit yeah. that you do, I'm going to probably get one now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the little screen on it because that was the thing was, yeah, there was always that giant Xbox logo in the center of the mm-hmm. controller. And the question was always, you know, why isn't that a screen? Why doesn't it do anything? It's literally just like a big ass Xbox logo. But now it is a screen uh, mm-hmm. and it does do things. And it's mm-hmm. it's cool. I love it. Dreamcast, an underrated system as well. <laughs> I, I was a big Sega dude, as a matter of fact, on this shelf. So that's my original Super Nintendo right there. But uh, And that's my original Nintendo 64. But also, my shoulder's kind of covering it. Uh, that's yeah. my original Sega CD and Sega Saturn uh, right over there. Uh, I was a really big Sega guy. And so... <laughs> did you have the Sega channel? Yes, I did have Sega channel. And then you are a Sega guy. <laughs> I was a Se- that's how I played most of the games I played because it was Dang. like uh mm-hmm. I there are games that I love, of course, but you know th- that's I think that's part of why I gravitated to Game Pass because to me it's like Sega Channel. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's like Sega Channel was, right? Where it's just, you know, let me pay a monthly subscription fee and let me try out some games. Because a lot of the games I'm a fan of to this day uh are games that i um didn't really uh didn't really like discover on my own it wasn't like i'd seen them in magazines and stuff but i couldn't convince my parents to like spend money on this random ass game but then when i played it in sega channel when i played like ranger x i love the game ranger x for sega genesis i would have never even given that game a second look if i had passed it on a on a shelf at like a blockbuster video or anything but Sega channel, I'm just scrolling and I'm like, all right, let me try Ranger X. Let me try uh what was that game? Uh I think it was called Mutant Chronicles or something along those lines. Uh there's a lot of games that I just tried and I was like yeah. Road Rash was another one that oh, I had never, Oh my Road, god. Road Rash <laughs> and Skitchen were the two yeah. games I had never I don't know if anybody remembers Skitchen. That was oh, yeah. uh, a game from EA that used the Road Rash engine, but you were on rollerblades uh on the street. <laughs> And it was like controversial and banned from uh, Toys R Us at the time, I think, because they thought that it was a bad influence on kids to teach them to to skate in traffic. Um, but the but Skitchin was a, was a great game as well. But Skitchin and Road Rash were the two games that mm-hmm. I would not have given a try to had it not been for Sega Channel. And now, like Boy. Road Rash is one of those games I still go back and play. Road Rash two on Sega Genesis, amazing, and three Boy. World Tour, great stuff. Shit. So my joints was Sunset Riders. Okay. 
and freaking uh, Gunstar Heroes. Gunstar was, Heroes. So you were uh, those are the the were those S and K? Was that Konami? So. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. Now I have to look that I, up. Um, it was on my. They got them. On, they re-released them on, for as apps on the phone because Sega released a whole bunch of their classic games as uh playable, uh, playables on the uh freaking app store. Gunstar Heroes was Sega. I knew that, but mm-hmm. um, and then what was the other one you mentioned? Sunset Riders. Sunset Riders. So, so those are both Sega games, actually. Now I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunset Riders was no Sunset Riders was Konami. Okay, so another uh, neither of those were SNK. I don't know what I was thinking with that. Um. But I think I, I just associated them with like Neo Geo titles for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But Sunset Riders was definitely Konami. That and then I, you know a lot of people slept on Vector Man. I like Vector Man. Vector Man was so dope. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Vector Man and Vector Man too. That now honestly, Vector Man was like a, a real like for people who didn't grow up with that generation of gaming. I think the thing that. Uh, really people missed was how much games evolved within one generation of gaming where like Mm -hmm. if you look at like the earliest sega genesis titles and then you look at something like vector man which is from the end of the genesis life uh, life cycle and it was like that game was such an advancement over what we originally saw on the console which was just uh kind of like enhanced 8-bit stuff uh and then we like truly saw what 16-bit was capable of that jump from the original Sega Genesis titles to the end is incredible. Like the difference that a 1990 Sega title looks versus a 1996, that six years. Uh, if, if you never got a chance to experience that, I, I do recommend it just because uh, it is fascinating to see how much we learned about that technology. We're mm-hmm. like, um, whereas I, I don't feel like a game from 2013 looks all that different to it from a game from 2022, um, just yeah. because like the hardware's gotten better, but like the techniques are mostly all the same. And so yeah, it's a lot of copy paste shit that we complain yeah. about. But yeah, it's just like I don't know. It, it's that goes with the lifespan of these consoles as well. It's like it, it'll drop in 2000, and then the developers will have that 10-year learning curve to, you know, perfect everything, then you get the fleshed-out game in 2010, and then, boom, new console. I was like, all yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it was back then, too, but I feel like the jump was so huge. So huge. Mm-hmm. Word. Earthworm Jim as well. I, Earthworm Jim, that was another one that uh, and, uh, I had played via Sega Channel. Because yeah, remember Earthworm they had the... the Remember a te- Sega Channel? They had the test drives where you could play games mm-hmm. like before they came out, the games that like weren't quite finished yep. yet. And so I remember they had the test drive of Earthworm Jim two, and they had the test drive of Mortal Kombat three. And uh, where Mortal Kombat three, it only had like four playable characters and uh, in like two stages, but you got to kind of see it before see what was it was coming, released. Yeah, yeah. and fucking uh, love the Sega Channel. Innovators. Yeah, it was Sega it, was that, always before their time. <laughs> way before their time, especially now that like everybody nearly 30 years later is doing subscription services where you got Xbox uh Game Pass, but then PlayStation's got there's I forget what it's called. PlayStation um, Now or something. No, they got a new one that they're like actually doing oh. like a Game Pass competitor. I forget. It has a, a kind of a unique name. Uh but go figure, like Sega was literally doing this. Uh, before high speed internet existed, you, they were doing uh, a straight remember, up game subscription service where you pick your games and play, and it actually came through your cable, which cable, is interesting. Yes. Before cable internet was a thing, uh, yeah. before home cable internet was a thing, 
you had a service that hooked up to your cable line yes. and it got you video games. I didn't I didn't understand it, but I didn't give a fuck because I was playing video games. Right. <laughs> and now it's a lot of what we see today. So it's just really fascinating. And now you can just play all that shit in your browser because those games are less than like two megabytes. Yeah, for real. Uh, and you got all these emulator boxes and shit. You can just hook up and just throw all that shit in there. Yep. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. But shit. Um, here we are. Some 17 years later from your genesis of us. Uh, <laughs> genesis, huh? go figure. Ah, <laughs> see, see what you did there. I don't have yeah. my sounds hooked up. <laughs> Hit the <laughs> horns on that. <laughs> but um, for those who are unaware and uninitiated, about 17 years ago, you started a podcast or you got into podcasting pretty much yes. or whatever. What kind of prompted you and led you into that? It was a... um. It was one specific episode of a TV show called The Screensavers that used to come on uh, Tech TV. Uh, see if I can narrow it down. The October 20th, 2004 edition of The Screensavers, I believe it was. Um, and let me uh, see. Before you get too far, do you have, if you if you touch things that you've been associated with, do you get the memories and shit of it? <laughs> <laughs> so like you say, you've been to that uh, like, room, but you touch the poster, you'd be like, oh, all the memories. <laughs> yeah, like I have the Vulcan thing going on. Um, but just a sec, I want to see if I was correct on that because I think mm. I have the episode. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tech TV, 10-20-2004. Pulling this up now. It's opening. Let's see if I'm right. Yep, October 20th. Ah, damn, I was right. Right on the money. The October 20th, 2004 edition of the Screensavers. And if my memory, uh, remembering that is um, really impressing you, that show came on every day. That was a daily show. So the fact that I remember specifically the date um, is uh, one of those things that uh, I'll always carry with me. But so there was a... Uh, the screensavers for people who don't know what that show was. Um, it used to come on Tech TV. Tech TV was uh, the precursor to G4. Um, and actually, the screensavers was a daily technology talk show. Um, it was originally hosted by Leo Laporte and Kate Batello. Uh, Kate Batello was replaced by Patrick Norton. And in 2004, Patrick Norton was replaced by, or sorry, Leo Laporte was replaced by uh, Kevin Rose. And then Kevin. And then Alex Albrecht replaced Patrick Norton around the end of 2004. And then they like fired the whole cast at the end of 2004 and then replaced him with Kevin Pereira. And uh, then they renamed the show five months later to attack of the show. So if you ever wonder where attack of the show came from, it was literally a retooled version of the screensavers. Um, but anyway, I was really into the screensavers really from the time it launched. And I used to sit at home and watch that show every single day. Uh, and it really like gave me my love for tech. But one day, October 20th, 2004, um, that show used to take live calls and they would uh, answer live calls on the show and uh, they would talk about that. They would answer people's tech problems and or answer their tech questions. And so on that specific episode, they did a segment where they're like, we're going to take rapid fire, random live calls. And I know the show sounds boring as hell, but like it was really entertaining. They had a lot of laughs. Like it was, it was great. I love the screensavers. So on that episode, they were taking these, um, these random live calls. I remember there was a caller and I actually reached out to him on Twitter because he's actually got a bit of a following. Um, he is uh, at MB. He actually owns just that. Uh, that name. 
literally just MB. Um, his name is Matt Bischoff. And uh, Matt Bischoff had called into the screensavers. And he uh, he had said, um, hey, are you guys ever going to talk about podcasting? And, uh, and Kevin Rose goes, podcasting, that's a great idea. Have you ever heard about podcasting? And Martin Sargent, who was co-hosting at the time, because Alex was out, I think, filming a, a commercial uh, for Dell. Um, Martin Sargent's like, no, what is podcasting? And Kevin Rose goes, oh, it's a great, uh, it's, it's, it's a really great thing. Um, let me show you. And he goes to, he was like, let me go to podcast.net. But he accidentally types postcast.net and he hits enter and like a porn pop-up comes up on the screen. Ooh. And, and like, this was live TV and everybody is like, oh my God, what's happening? Everybody's laughing. And, uh, cause this is back in the days of pop-up ads and everybody's laughing and it was a good time. And then they moved on to the next thing. But I'm sitting here like, wait, y'all never answer. What is podcasting? And so, <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I was still stuck on that. I'm like, I want to know what podcasting was. Uh, and I need to know what podcasting was. And so I end up, um, going in carefully typing, (laughs) typing in (laughs) podcast.net and I check it out and I I noticed like, okay, this is kind of a cool thing. There aren't that many podcasts, to be honest. Uh, there's, as a matter of fact, there weren't many at all, but, uh, I noticed it was just something I was kind of interested in. And then, over the next six months, I start listening to podcasts and uh, and I decided right around June of that year that I, it was something I wanted to do. And a few months prior to that, um, most of the guys who were let go from the screensavers uh, in tech TV had started up a network called Twit, twit.tv. They're still going to this day. Uh, it stands for This Week in Tech, uh, TWIT. They had started podcasting and they were doing podcasts about tech. And I decided listening to them, this is what I want to do. I love listening to these guys. This is a dream. This is what I want to do. And so I started going over topics and I was like, what am I good at talking about? And there's two things I'm really good at talking about. this: technology and pro wrestling. And originally I was going to do a tech show, um, but I thought, you know what? Tech and podcasting is kind of oversaturated already. Leo Laporte seems to have that held down with Twit. I don't think I'm going to do that let me try pro wrestling. And so uh, I picked pro wrestling as my topic. The first person I reached out to was a man named Anthony Scats. Uh, he was the first person I reached out to and I asked if he'd be willing to do a podcast with me. He said, what the hell is a podcast? Right. <laughs> uh, and I was like, just, just trust me. Um, basically it's like a radio show and we talk and people will listen to us He's like, okay, if you say so. And then I had gone to Nick Marsico after that. And I was like, Nick, would you be interested in doing this? Cause Nick was doing college radio at the time. And Nick was like, yeah, sure. If this podcasting thing ever takes off. And then we still needed a fourth person. And, uh, I had hit up Michael Z, um, because we we had so the four of us were already kind of writing a blog uh and so it was like what if we took the four of us writing this blog and then we turned it into a podcast audio version yeah yeah and we did an audio version of this blog and so that's how the fatal four was born was it was me michael z anthony scatsnick marsico and we started the original version of rbr uh and then we just went from there 
but yeah, I did originally start it off of literally that episode of the screensavers gave me the idea. And I sat for months thinking, what do I want my podcast to be? And now, obviously, if I said, if this were today, and I said, okay, what do I want to do a podcast about? And I said, wrestling, that's the market that's oversaturated now. Yeah. At the t- like at the time, if you did a search on podcast.net, which there wasn't iTunes podcast or Apple podcast or any of yeah. that. Um, it was literally, you went to podcast.net and you had to get a specific um, application your, for just podcasts. Yeah. To put your RSS feeds in. Uh, if you did a search back then for wrestling podcasts, nothing. Uh, there was two others. There was Smart Wrestling Fan and Revenge of the Wrestling Fans. And Smart Wrestling Fan is still around. Revenge of the Wrestling Fan maybe did like three other episodes after that, and then they called it quits. So like, we were the first two. Was uh the the longest lasting two were RBR Smart Wrestling Fan, and that was it. Man, so like. You giving your origin story is kind of similar to mine in the fact to where like I found out I don't even remember how I found out about podcasting per se. I think I might have got my first iPhone uh-huh. <laughs> and um, it popped up on there. And See, I was you like, know, it's crazy that like think about how long the, the show you host RBR has been around where there's an episode talking about the launch of the iPhone and what it could possibly be. And is this thing even going to matter or last that episode exists uh, because RBR predates the iPhone. <laughs> See, that, there's your time of reference people. Yes. But um, I got, I got an iPhone. I think my first one was a four or something. And um, it wasn't on there at first, but when they did the software updates and they changed the iOS, it, it popped up the icon, a little purple square and it said podcast. I was like, what the fuck is this podcast? And then I go in there and it wasn't many, like you were saying. And I was like, well, what would I want to listen to? And I think some of the first things that I came up, I just went with the top things at the time. And that was Kevin Smith, pretty much. He was dominating everything as far as podcasts go at the time. So I listened to everything Kevin Smith. Tell him Steve, Dave, fucking the Schmodcast, uh, Jane Silent Bob. I remember Bob, all of this, old. by the way. Yep. Goddamn. Um, later on, you know, they would make other shows and their Fat Man on Batman, and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. I mean, those would come way later, but originally for me, it started off with Kevin Smith and everything that he did. So I listened to all that and I was like, well, if there's this, I said, like, I wonder if they have anything about wrestling, you know? So I type in, you know, wrestling. And the first mm-hmm. podcast to pop up was not RBR, surprisingly, at the time. But for me, uh, introduction to the first pro wrestling freaking podcast was uh, the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show. Uh, okay. So, so I listened to them for a while. And then I was like, you know, I need some varying taste or whatever because I like their opinions and everything. But it was just these two. And it, it was kind of getting repetitive in what they were saying at the time. So I was like, let me let me look around and find some other stuff. So um, there were people that would call into that show and they started their own brand of uh, show called Wrestling Soup. Mm-hmm. So I, I would listen I to a little bit of that here and there. And then they had people that would call into that show, which would have a uh, Julian Excalibur. And he would spawn off from that and do uh, the Wrestling Court podcast. and then. 
So I would listen to all three of these and I was just going around, going around, going around. And then one day, just going through a wrestling church, RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk pops up. And I listen. And I think the iteration at the time was you, Matt, Felipe, and Paul. Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to y'all and then I was there. So was this 09? Because Felipe didn't join till 10. So, yeah. I mean, when I first started listening, Felipe was always there. So, okay. So it had to be nine ish, 10 ish, or whatever. Because, like I said, Felipe joined I, January of 2010. Or yeah, January 2010, January 1st. Because that's when we did the co host search. He won. We announced it at the very beginning of 2010. And then okay. that we went from there. All right. So, because I got a child that's 11. So there we are. <laughs> So that's probably my span. So I found this podcast and I listened to it every week that it would come up. I mean, I've had podcasts in my cycle of podcasts that I would listen to that were kind of, I don't want to listen to this shit no more. But throughout that whole life cycle, RBR has remained. I've been a part of the community the whole time. I've called in a couple of times. I've been a guest on the show a couple of times and everything. I even got to meet uh, a lot of y'all in person and shit or whatever. I think um, the first person that I met out of the group was Paul. And that was because um, y'all gave away tickets to our ROH show. And I had to get the tickets from Paul. And that was in Dallas. So me and Paul sat together at our ROH show. And then we did the meetup in Dallas as well to where I got to meet you. I got to meet uh, what Maxwell. And Michael Z was there. Michael Z was there. I gave him a ride to his room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, ACH was there for some reason. Yep. Uh, a drunk white girl stepped on my belt, and I was pretty pissed about that. Uh, it, it's just a whole. I think Barry was there. He came over. Yeah, Barry Barry Lad was there. Uh, Australian Amy was there. Yeah, uh, Emerson was there. Yeah, there was yep. there's a lot of people. Yeah, yep. I just reconnected with Emerson or whatever. I need to talk to that guy because I, I posted because every uh, Wednesday I say happy RBR day. And I post like RBR stuff. And I found those pictures from Dallas and he was in there. He's like, Hey, that's me. I was like, there you are. You motherfucker. I thought you got off Twitter or something, (laughs) but, um, yeah. And so listening to these different podcasts and everything. And at the time I was getting ready to exit the military, uh, around 2016, 15, 2016. And, you know, my time was winding down in the military and I didn't know what I was going to do when I got out. Cause this is scary. I, 15, 16 years of my life, which has just been dedicated to doing this one thing. And um, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should write a book or something, you know, chronicling my time in the military and all the friends I met along the way. And they can tell their stories and all kinds of shit mm-hmm. like that. But then I started listening to these different podcasts and Fatal Four and Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier and all these guys. I was like, well, they sound like they're having fun just bullshitting with their friends. I was like, why don't. I do a podcast and instead of writing all this bullshit down, which I hate doing, why don't I just talk about it and have people come on and we talk about these stories in the military. And I was just like, yeah, I do a fucking podcast. And that's where it happened. So there it is. So I started doing the podcast. I think the first five episodes was just, you know, me talking to my military folks, you know, sharing stories. I think me and Nick, did the first iteration of wrestling this trash in that first uh, 
10 episodes of uh, the Random Randoms with Rob because he wanted to come over and talk about um, The Undertaker and some other shit. So we set up the studio in the house, you know, put up the microphones and everything. We were just talking about wrestling and everything. And then I retired. I separated from the military. And then I moved here to uh, Houston. And I was like, well, fuck, I just can't keep talking about military stuff. I mean, I mean, that's behind me now. And then I know that people that I joined the military are, you know, are been in the military where they busy still doing military shit and, you know, living their lives. I didn't want to really bother them as much. So I was like, fuck it. I just talk, I'll talk to random motherfuckers, just whoever I can find on the internet, whoever's willing to sit down and talk with me. That's who I'll have on the podcast, you know? <laughs> exactly. So um, I just start speaking to random people, porn stars, goddamn writers, actors, um, fellow podcasters for the most part, because day one goal for me was, I mean, everybody talk about, yeah, being famous and all kinds of stuff and making money and all kinds of shit like that. But it really wasn't the goal for me. My goal was to get well known enough to where I can have a guest and, and put them on and promote their talents. So it would be like, you know, if I believe in you and your music, hey, I want to have you on the show so other people can hear about you and your music. That's always been the goal for me. That's how I went about choosing guests. And some of them came about randomly or whatever. It's just like, I felt like talking about this and use the nearest motherfucker. So that's that's who I'm talking to. So, yeah, that, that that's that's kind of my origin story with this shit and everything. So thank you, RBR. Thank you, Don Tony Kevin Castle. Thank you, Kevin Smith for uh, inspiring me to do these things and have me here sitting with Will Washington. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Went on a random rant. That's what we do over hey. here sometimes. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah. But yeah, man, there's just a lot of things going on. And, um, you, you know, so we're, we're past your time here with RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk. Um, you've moved on. And um, started to further progress your career and everything. You went in a different direction. You're starting to do more video content now. And you're doing the podcast that we know now is Grapsity. So That's how right. did that come along? Um, Grapsity came about because uh, it, Grapsity has really been kind of the, um, I'll say, the combination of what i felt my vision for what i wanted to do in wrestling podcasting um mm -hmm. is and uh it really started off with me doing kind of a sideshow um to rbr every saturday for i think it was only like seven weeks mm -hmm. i did a show called wrestling with weekends uh and it was a show i started <laughs> thank you yeah i started doing a show called wrestling with weekends and uh it was really that show was really me testing the waters of what else i wanted to do with podcasting uh in that i knew i wanted to do a video show i knew i wanted uh i knew i wanted to take kind of a more positive approach to pro wrestling and i knew that i wanted to do it saturday mornings and uh and so yeah i started wrestling with weekends and the show was going well uh mm -hmm. and my second guest on the show was phil Lindsay, mm -hmm. and that episode did really well uh so before we go too far beyond that uh prior to that episode i just uh come across phil 
on Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just the, the Twitter gods aligned us some way into where I come to know him and I found out who he was. That's around the time they introduced Twitter spaces. Yeah. So Twitter, I, Phil, the king of Twitter spaces. Yeah. So uh, I, I fell into a Twitter space with him. And, you know, I just got to hear his thoughts and, you know, pretty much his profession, what he does. You know, he does writing and everything. So I got to know him in that aspect prior to that episode because I didn't know you knew him prior to that. He had hosted RBR before. He uh, so, yeah, he did. Um, so that's time so, gap for me. And so I before probably, we did uh, um, Wrestling with Weekends, he was on the Wow, What Did We Just See for Revolution? It was me, Phil, and Maxwell. Okay. Um, so uh, that's probably why I missed it. <laughs> yeah. So that the first podcast I had ever done with Philip Lindsay was the recap show of Revolution in 2021 um, with uh, Maxwell and Phil. So we, you know, this was kind of us being back together. But um, you know, Phil had attended the uh, CM Punk show, the the mm-hmm. show CM Punk yeah. returned at, and so Phil and I did this episode, and uh, the episode did really well. Um, to this day, it is uh, the most downloaded RBR podcast ever. Uh, mm-hmm. That episode of me and Phil um, wrestling with weekends episode two. And so I knew Phil was somebody going forward. I wanted to work with, had a lot of fun with him on that mm-hmm. show. And after the show, um, Phil and I just have the ability to just talk for hours, you know, after the revolution. Oh, I've podcast. Seen. <laughs> yeah. After the revolution podcast, me and Phil, uh, after Maxwell jumped off and then, you know, went to say bye to Phil, we ended up talking another two hours after that. Uh, so like I knew for a long time, Phil was somebody I wanted to work with. And it was probably about three or four weeks later, I had Reg on wrestling with weekends mm-hmm. and we did an episode talking about the black wrestling's 500. And we ended up, just, which I seen again, that shirt out in the wild. That's, it was fucking crazy. I did a yeah. commentary for a wrestling show in Dallas Mm-hmm. And there was a guy walking around with the pro wrestling, fi- uh, black pro wrestling 500 on his uh, shirt and everything. And I took pictures so, of it and everything. Yeah. Well, so, uh, and I remember that episode was September 11th, 2021. Never forget. Yeah. Uh, and that's <laughs> how I remember. Right. Um, and so me and Reg had done that episode. And at the very end, I gave the obligatory, uh, Hey, Reg, we got to have you back on the show one day. And Reg said, yeah, maybe one day me, you, and Phil will do something. And uh, and then I said, all right, we'll see you next time. Have a great night. Peace. And then it hit me. And I was like, yeah, that would be pretty great, wouldn't it? And so that was Saturday. I spent all day Sunday just thinking about it. Okay, me, Reg, Phil, we got to do something. He's right. Uh, and so I then went to um who did i go to first i went to phil first and i was like so reg mentioned something and it's uh it's stuck with me and i i want to follow up on that and so uh i i called phil and we talked and i said this is my idea i i want to do a show me you and reg and uh and part of what i want to do with this show is i think the three of us have been um we both kind of have a presence within what i would call white spaces that uh, even though i created rbr i would call rbr white space the three of us have presence within white spaces and uh but the three of us have black voices within white spaces 
And wouldn't it be great if the three of us were able to take um, these voices and bring them together and uh, and present kind of a different look at um, pro wrestling in the black space? Because it's not to say that there weren't um, voices in the black pro wrestling space, but um, n- not a whole lot of them focus on indie wrestling, not a whole lot of them. Um, you know, th- I would say that a lot of them are very WWE centric. And so we yeah. thought about uh, what we wanted to do with this and what we wanted to bring to the table and how um, one of the things that Reg is really good at is highlighting um, up and coming black talent. And yeah. I realized like this, this is exactly kind of what the three of us want to do is, is and talk about. And so brought that to Phil first. Phil was like, all right, I'm in. And so I'm like, all right, Phil's in. Then I went to Reg and I was like, uh, Reg and I got on the phone, same deal. I told him Phil's in and Reg is like, all right, I'm in. And so I was like, all right, this is, this is it. And I remember my wife was coming back from a trip uh, and she, I, I had to drive to the airport to pick her up. And as I'm driving from the airport or driving to the airport, so my car's still empty, uh names are just going through my head and i remember i was passing the intersection of airport boulevard and sixth avenue and then it just hit me grapsity and i was like okay i think that's the name and my wife gets in the car from the airport and i said what do you think of the name grapsity and she's like i like it uh she, well first she's like what does it mean and so she looks up the definition of rhapsody and when she sees the definition of Rhapsody, she's like, Rhapsody, Grapsody. I like it. I think it's good. That's why the intro of the show Grapsody has the definition. the definition of Rhapsody there, because the name works for you the moment you recall or know what Rhapsody means. Some people don't. So that was like putting it there in the intro. Uh, and, and that was really from my wife, not really knowing the word Rhapsody, or at least like she knew it from like Bohemian Rhapsody, but didn't know the exact definition. Um, and so once she knew that, and then she was like, Grapsody, I like it. So I went back to Reg and Phil, was like, I think we're going to call this Grapsody. And they were both like, all right, we're in. And that was pretty much a done deal. Until... Until. I said to, so we knew we were going to launch this show. That was it. Um, I had, that's a piece of it that a lot of people don't know. A lot of people think that I just left RBR, went to Fightful, and that was done deal, right? But no, I had already had the idea for Grapsity, and we were going to launch that on our own independently. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, most is probably going to be a fan-off show, but we were going to launch that independently. And then uh, I had turned to the two of them in our group chat. And I was like, I think I have one more, uh, one more piece of this that I want to try and complete. And I said to them, if nothing comes of this, you'll never hear about it again. But if it does, then it's a game changer for starting this podcast. And so um, over the last couple of years, I've become friends with Sean Ross Sapp. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I love talking to Sean uh, and Sean and I exchange ideas all the time. I had um, last summer with Sean and I met up while he was in Denver for a wedding and uh, we had had dinner and, um, you know, we had talked about, you know, maybe working together one day, but we weren't sure on what, but we knew we liked each other's energy. And so I messaged Sean and I was like, Hey, can I have like 15 minutes of your time? Uh, And if that's all I need, because if I can't, make this pitch in 15 minutes, then we don't have nothing. Uh, so um, 
Sean, it was like right before an episode of uh, he had to do a live stream and he's like, okay, time's limited, but what do you got? And so I told him, I was like, okay, me, Reg, Phil, we got a show that uh, I am interested in uh, or that we're launching. It's called Grapsity. This is what we want to do with it. Um, but I really think that a good place for it would be Fightful. I think that we've, uh, we're all well acquainted with Fightful. You know, um, Phil had already hosted multiple uh, Fightful post shows. Um, Reg, of course, writes for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, I had been, um, I had done the distraction already. And so we all kind of had a little bit of involvement with Fightful as it was. And so I said, this is what we want to do. These are the topics we want to bring to light. And uh, this is something that's not just missing from Fightful, but it's really missing from the mainstream pro wrestling space as a whole. Um, that the Observer has nothing like this. Uh, wrestling Inc. has nothing like this. And uh, Pro Wrestling uh, Insider has nothing like this. Like, I think that it is going to be really good to give Black voices um, a place to go in who I believe truly, and this is before I joined Fightful, I truly believe that Fightful is the leader in breaking pro wrestling news and bringing pro wrestling content and in doing it in a way that uh, I truly believe is from good people that yeah. are relatable. And so I said that Grapsity is a good fit for that. What do you think? And Sean didn't even hesitate. Sean was straight up like, what days do you want to do it? I said, Saturdays. He said, what time? I gave him the time. He said, you're on. That's it. <laughs> he was like, this is it. Uh, and we basically, we discussed um, all of the technical details, all that, financial details, all of that. All of that, done deal. And I went back to, to Phil and Reg and I was like, so remember that thing I say where I have one more <laughs> thing uh, that could possibly be a thing? So here it is. Uh, we're going to be doing the show on Fightful. And they were like, shut up. And I was like, yeah, we <laughs> it's a done deal. Uh, and uh, everything just kind of came together after that. And then that following Wednesday, I announced my departure from RVR. And then the uh, Wednesday after that, I did my last episode of RVR. And then uh, the Saturday after that, started Grapsity. And it was like all that fast. And literally, that was all six months ago. And we've been mm -hmm. just rolling ever since well i know for me personally you know doing something for so many years um it was a a little i had a little wear on me after um stepping away from the military or whatever i wouldn't mm -hmm. equate this so much to the same you know level of thing or whatnot but it was a part of your life for the better part of 16 years you know yeah, i did 16, rbr 16 years yeah and that's yeah. uh and that's not to say that it wasn't because um mm -hmm that show was a big part of who I am. Like I've only been with mm -hmm. my wife 13 years. Right. So like, yeah. Uh, and I met her on a Friday night when I first started RBR or when RBR started for the first uh, eight years of RBR's existence, it was on Saturdays. And so uh, I remember vividly uh, when I told her that we met on a Friday and it was like, oh, what are you doing tomorrow night? And I was like, Oh, I host a wrestling podcast. Uh, so I have to do that tomorrow night. Um, and I'm surprised she didn't leave me right then and there, but, uh, or say, <laughs> Oh, let me go talk to somebody else. But that was actually, cause I met her on June 19th, 2009. And we had the four year anniversary of RBR the very next day. And so I, that was the thing I mentioned to her was I was like, actually, we've got our fourth anniversary show coming up. Um, 
And she's like, really? You've been doing this for four years? And I was like, she's like, that's a really long time. And now four years seems like fucking child's play. Uh, mm-hmm. But she was like, uh, you've been doing this four years? That's crazy. And I said, yeah. And uh, But it was a big part of who I, who I am. And it was a big part of my identity doing that show. Uh, and so, yeah, leaving it, you know, I gave a big speech at the end of it um, that I thought uh, really encapsulated how much the doing it had meant to me and how much being a part of it had meant to me. So, yeah, leaving it, that wasn't exactly like the easiest decision uh, because it was a big part of my identity and who I was. I started hosting that show when I was 17, I'm 34 now. Mm-hmm. So that means doing that show 17 years. That's half my life was spent doing that show. and uh so it was really hard to to kind of put it into words of like okay i still want to talk about wrestling but i don't necessarily feel this is the right place for me to continue doing so and uh i know that was hard for a lot of people to understand people on the show people off the show um but i was able to to make it happen yeah i know and it just you know I don't know. I, I can't really speak to that situation well, but it's just like, you know, when it's time, mm-hmm. you know, you f- you feel it inside yourself or whatever that this is not the thing that you want to do anymore and you need to try to do something else. I, I can I can totally understand that or whatever, because, you know, when it got I, I stayed 16 years, but at tw- year 12, I was like, I'm I'm done with this shit. I was about to walk away with nothing, you know, because, you know. 20, I got lucky in a sense because 20 years is, you know, retirement. You right. do 20 years in the military, you can walk away with a, a retirement pension and all that other stuff. I was about to hang it up at 12. I wouldn't have got shit, you know, but I was like, eh, I'll hang on a little while longer, see, you know, how things change, which for me, that last couple of years was probably the best decision I made, despite the situation that I was put in. I went to Fort Lindenwood, Missouri, to where it's the armpit of Missouri. Or whatever, because it's literally down the road from a place called Devil's Elbow. So you got the armpit elbow. <laughs> and um it was great for me because they made me an instructor. I had to teach people and everything. I had to give back to my community of motor transportation. So I had to go instruct the next generation of Marines that would be a, a operator in the transportation field. So I was definitely afraid to speak in a public forum to stand up in front of people and to speak and do a curriculum and everything that frightened me to no end, but going to this place, they gave me the adequate training that I needed. They built my confidence up and it ultimately aided to me doing a podcast as well later on, (laughs) you know, so I forever grateful for that time. And then what I really enjoyed and loved about that time frame as well is I got to talk to the young people. I was like, Hey man, I was here 14, 15, 16 years ago in the same seats that you're sitting in because we don't upgrade shit because we use shit till the wheels fall off of this motherfucker. Same building that I came here in 2000. It's the same building that we teaching in, you know, all these years later. And I'm like, hey, man, you need to look out for this. You need to be worried about this. You need to put some money away over here or whatever, because when I came through. Nobody was talking to us about that. It was like, sit your ass here. This is how you start the truck. This is how you drive this bitch. And then get the fuck out of here and go do work. I was like, nah, I wanted to give these guys and gals, you know, some heads up. Because this next four years or next 10 years or next 15, 20 years that you're going to be doing is going to be some hard shit. And you, these are some of the things that they won't teach you in these types of classes. So I'm forever grateful for those 
moments that I was able to get at the end. But when Trump was going up for election and just mm-hmm. still I was uh, feeling this type of way, even though I was having a good time with these students and, you know, you know, having these these bonding moments with the future of the Marine Corps, I was still wasn't really feeling it. I was like, nah, this is not for me anymore. And um, went to Afghanistan and it was drawing out and it was like, hey, everybody with 15 years or more, but less than 20. We want to offer you the terror program, which is the temporary early retirement something or whatever. I forget what the acronym stood for. And it was like, you can retire now. I was like, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a reduced, yeah, it was a reduced percentage. Like, you know, if you get 20, you get 50%. But since I did 16 and some months or whatever, I got like 41 point something or other, which the difference wasn't game changing or whatever. I stayed a full 20. So I was like, check, please. Let me get this money and get the hell out. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And I just, I never regretted it. I mean, I miss it, but I never regretted making that decision. Yeah, and that's how it is, right? Because, like, uh, and okay, of course, like I said, uh, like you said, RBR mm-hmm. not going to compare it to um, to serving in the military. It's not even close to the same, but it was something I did a long time, and it was a big part of my life. Um, because, like you had said, by year twelve, you had kind of figured out, you know, okay, I'm kind of out. I will say, by about twenty twenty, I had known that. Uh, I wasn't going to continue doing RBR a whole lot longer. And I mm-hmm. had even informed the guys that, um, Hey, I kind of have a bit of, um, of an exit. And I think I know when it's going to be, and it's going to be in the next year. So they had known, um, pretty much before Maxwell had left before Eric had left. Uh, I was kind of the first to inform them that, Hey, you know, there's going to be a show without me at some point, And it's, uh, and this is what I'm looking at. And I, I pretty much knew, um, I will say September, September 8th, uh, let's see. My last episode was what? September 29th. I want to say, uh, well, let me look at a calendar here. Uh, yeah, September 29th. Yeah. September 29th was my last wrong person, but to remember yeah. shit. <laughs> September 29th, episode 835 was my last episode of RBR. I would mm-hmm. say I probably knew, uh, by episode eight or not eight eight thirty two eight thirty two on september eighth that um I was pretty close to having already made that decision, and then that was just kind of where it all came through, but like I say, it was a big part of who I am. I'm glad the show's getting to continue. That was the one thing I had said when I told them in twenty twenty that uh hey, I probably won't be doing this show beyond I think I had told them honestly, we're past my my exit date. I told them in 2020 that I was going to be done by February of 2022 and we're actually past that now. So regardless, it came a little bit early, not a whole lot early. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, we're not that far past where I was going to, to originally leave, but yeah, it was, that was around the point that I knew, uh, was around 2020. And then when it was a like definite decision was early September. Word. Okay. So to speak about RBR and everything, what are your thoughts and feelings about this 16, 17 year lineage and the community that it has created? Um, I love it. And that's a big, 
that's a big piece of, again, who I am, right? That, uh, you know, a, a big part of my identity, it's the first thing you see on my Twitter bio. I've been a podcaster 17 years. Where were 16 of those years? RBR. Um, and I love that all 16 of those years are still up. Um, that if you go to rbrwrestling.com, you basically can listen to me grow up over 16 mm -hmm. years. You can listen to my whole adulthood come listen to me from 17 and grow up right before your ears. It all exists right there. And uh, I am so grateful that um, I had the opportunity to do that that long. And I'm really grateful that uh, I made some friends along the way, um, both in and out of the community that uh, I love that everybody who's currently on the show, I guess not really Noah, but um, the three, uh, I guess, other members of the current Fatal Four were all members of the community at one point and all eventually joined. Uh, and I think that's really cool that it is a show that, that not only grew a community behind it, but then brought the community in. So RBR, you know, I, one of the things I always used to like to say on the show is that RBR is not just our show, it's your show as well. And we want yeah. your voices heard right before I would give out the phone number. That's the thing I always said, but I always meant that because I love that, uh, you know, it started off with myself, Michael Z, Nick Marsico, and Anthony Scats. But then um, Michael Z leaves, Jason Gallup comes in, um, Anthony Scats leaves, Paul comes in. Paul was a member of the community. Paul wasn't an original mm -hmm. host, uh, but he comes in as a part of the community and joins and hosts the show. And then when uh, Jason left and Matt Galloway comes in, Matt, again, was a frequent caller on the show. Matt was not an original member of the show. who He didn't know Matt, but he became a friend of ours through such and now matt i was actually going to call him this afternoon uh and matt's another person who came in part of the community and joined the show and then felipe diaz vera uh comes in replaces nick marsico same deal another member of the community uh and uh maxwell bombach replaces felipe diaz vera a member of the community maxwell mm -hmm. was a caller he won cinco de hosto uh no he didn't win cinco de hosto no, the money in the bank. Win. he won the money in the bank and then did cinco de hosto and i remember the first time maxwell hosted i was like hey i like this guy and i want him hosting more um that i loved maxwell the second i heard him uh and but he was another one who came out of the community joined the show eric brady was one of the most hated members of the community because he used to <laughs> um he used to troll the hell out of people and but he made people laugh in the process and uh, he was sports 103 on the forums um uh, with a z sports uh and the eric brady forums. again when matt galloway left eric brady came in he was another member of the community and i love that even in my leaving and cody coming in who was a longtime member of the community mm -hmm. that uh you've come in longtime member of the community i love that the show has just continued to bring in that it's been community driven and that means a lot to the show uh and i think that um it's really cool that it has continued that uh i didn't want it to die with my leaving uh and i'm really glad it didn't uh that was actually my specific ask that was the one thing that i had said when i uh, said that back in 2020 when i told the guys that hey i'm probably going to be leaving around this point i specifically stressed uh, but the thing I don't want to see happen is the show go under. Uh, I want it to continue. And I think you guys should continue it. And I'm glad that it is still going because I think that's a great thing. Word, word, word. It's just 
here we are. It all comes for a circle. You, you, you helped plant the seed that grew me into a, a broadcaster that got me into the community that got me to hosting the show. <laughs> and now we're here. We're talking with each other. It's fucking, I don't, I don't believe things happen by coincidence. I think things come together to make things happen at certain points in time. So here we are, sir. But unfortunately we have concluded. We have reached the end. So before you go, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and everything that you got going on. Uh, well, my uh, Twitter handle and Instagram username are William RBR. Um, those haven't changed uh, and they won't. Uh, so I'm William RBR on pretty much all social media platforms. It's actually it started as my Xbox Live Gamer Tech. It's still that, too. Uh, and you can find. Uh, the shows I host, I do host Grapsity every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That can be found at youtube.com slash Fightful. Uh, I also host Day After Dynamite uh, on Fightful Overbook. That's every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's 1 p.m. Pacific. And again, that's at Fightful Overbooked. I review Dynamite every week um, for Fightful Overbooked. And we had a great episode yesterday. SB3 is a phenomenal guest. Uh, and... Um, Felipe Diaz Vera hosted with me a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Rob's hosted the show. Um, and I've also had, uh, uh, and coming up in the future, I'll even have many of my former RBR peeps. So just, just know I, I keep in conversation with, with people. And so, mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, you know, while you may or may not see certain people on Grapsity, you, uh, day after dynamite is one of those shows where uh, I'm going to be talking dynamite with people, so it's it's still going to continue to be fun. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, I was on Wrestling Observer Live just last week uh, with Andrew Zarian, um, so I'm pretty much everywhere these days. I'll be at WrestleMania weekend. Uh, I'll be at Double or Nothing. I'll be. I'll be there. You be there. You come find yes. him. So come when, find when you get. When you getting your accounts verified? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when when Fightful gets verified, the rest of us will. Uh, oh, which shit, is that, insane I, that, that yeah. Fightful isn't verified. Fightful Select is, uh, yeah, yeah. which of course, but Fightful Select only has one reporter, Sean Ross App. Uh, but Fightful still can't get verified. We still keep getting denied. Uh, 78,000 followers, we still can't get verified. Uh, trust me, Kyler, who runs that account, has been trying. Um, but still can't get verified i know you you have the uncanny ability to just kind of be in the right place at the right time for a lot of things or whatever and sometimes you know the wrong time yeah yeah but uh yeah it i think the verification thing would be funny for me you know just to it just pop up one day i like unbeknownst to you be like oh well that's the thing now yeah so i will say it's not even something that i've been like on the hunt for but if it happens that's cool uh, mm -hmm. mainly because there's a lot of checkmark accounts that I like hate. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, like, God, why did they give you the, because, mainly because it, it, there's so much credence lent to the checkmark and mm -hmm. they just like say dumb shit. And, uh, I won't say the, the three accounts I'm talking about, but if you spend enough time on wrestling Twitter, you know who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and Hey man, but yeah. if you get that power, you have great responsibility, and I know you can probably get some more Jay Z tweets. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But has it as it as it has been 
for every guest of the Random Rounds with Rob. You have been a guest. The door is always open for you to come back to shoot the shit. Or, damn, you had me flustered about how I do my outro. But anyway, we's done with this motherfucker. It's all over. I appreciate you very dearly, sir, for, you know, giving me this platform. uh, Just, you know, all the things and stuff and yada, 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 yada. We done.